I'm Steph and you're listening to The Thirst, a podcast that looks at the latest in pop culture as well as dissecting some very important topics of our choosing. It's February 2023 and we're here with our obsession of the month. This is where we take a deep dive into everything from new metal videos and the best teen comedies to celebrity tattoos. You know, the important stuff. This episode we're going in front of and behind the camera with two new releases about the magic of the movies. Damien Chazelle's Hollywood epic, Babylon, starring Margot Robbie, Diego Calva and Brad Pitt, and Steven Spielberg's autobiographical coming-of-age drama, The Fablemans. We'll also chat about movies about movies, what works, what doesn't, and why we've entered another prosperous period of this kind of filmmaking. Don't forget, these will be slightly spoilerific discussions, so we'll make sure there's timestamps in the episode description so you don't get caught out. Yeah, we wouldn't want to ruin anything. Truly wouldn't want to ruin the debauchery of Babylon for you. Although it's all over Twitter now, so... Yeah, we're the least of your worries. (laughs) Yeah, we're talking about movies about movies. I thought we'd done this before, but we did movies about music. Yeah, I thought we also did that, mostly because it was also related to Damien Chazelle's other film about movies, La La Land. Oh yeah, I forgot about La La Land. Yeah, I I had a feeling we'd talked about it then, but I don't think we did. So I was quite pleased that we could um, have an excuse to talk about this. Yeah, and also I I had a moment of, it's not a moment of epiphany at all, but um, I realised something that almost completely undid this entire discussion, which is I actually hadn't seen many... (laughs) I haven't actually seen many movies about movies, but it was interesting to deep dive. Yeah, I feel like it's a thing we discuss, though, quite often, the concept of, like, Hollywood talking about Hollywood and making things about Hollywood. But I also felt the same, which we'll come on to later. It's like a lot of the classics that I was like, no, I haven't seen any of these. But it's interesting. Good excuse. Bit in my understanding there. Fine. Yeah. Nice to be honest. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not an expert. So, uh... but anyway, we'll talk about that in a bit. Firstly, we're going to talk about these two films that came out almost simultaneously in the UK anyway. And uh, we saw them within the same week, pretty much, I think. Yeah, we saw Babylon on a Sunday and then we saw The Fablemans on a Wednesday. Yeah, so, so pretty yeah. much almost back to back. Um, we'll do Babylon first. <laughs> I think what we have here in Hollywood is high art. It's... Party times! Marvel times! If you could go anywhere in the whole world, where would you go? I always want to be part of something bigger. Yes! Let's go! Something that lasts, that means something. So, Babylon is an American epic period comedy drama film what is that i mean that is thanks wikipedia that is insane (laughs) did you write that uh absolutely not no an epic period comedy drama film (laughs) great written and directed by damien chazelle so he is the director of whiplash la la land as you mentioned uh and first man among others and the very brief premise that i've nicked off the internet is because it made me laugh a tale of outsized ambition and outrageous success. April's pulling faces at me. Babylon traces the rise and fall of multiple characters during an era of unbridled decadence and <laughs> depravity in early Hollywood. Unbridled. Unbridled. Right. Exactly. That is. That's like copywriting to the max. That is. I'm very impressed by it. Anyway, yes. Yeah, so this film begins in LA in 1926. 
in the time of silent cinema and then ends in 1952. So we kind of move through the, the transition into the talkies. Um, it features an ensemble cast, including Brad Pitt, Margot Robbie, Diego Calva, Gene Smart. I think it's Hovan Adipo, uh, Lee Jun Lee, Tobey Maguire, Catherine Waterston and many others. It's interesting to note that when this was announced in 2019 as period drama set in the golden age of Hollywood, Emma Stone and Brad Pitt were going to be in the mix as the two leads. So interesting. Which I can't stop thinking about, which we'll come on to. Yes, absolutely. Um, It premiered in LA in November, but we only got it um, in January, late January in the UK. So we're quite late, as always. Um, And it was an absolute box office bomb, which is uh, probably because it's really fucking long, to be honest. But also... It uh, had it had uh, a production budget of eighty million. It had grossed fifty million, um, and it would need to gross two hundred and fifty million to break even. And it has grossed fifty. I don't so, understand how maths works, but that sounds confusing. It's very confusing, but it's really not worked out. No. Um, it has, however, received five nominations at the Golden Globes. Nine nominations at the Critics' Choice Awards and three nominations at the British Academy Film Awards and three nominations at the Academy Awards. So uh, should we talk about expectations going into this? Because I think we were both a bit like, hmm, had to see it based on the trailer and the faces within it. But Yeah, so I quite like Damien Chazelle's work generally. I was going to say, you're a big La La Land fan. Yeah, I think Whiplash is genuinely very good. I... Mm-hmm unfortunately do love La La Land and will fight to the death to justify its existence. That's I think fine. it's, I think it's brilliant. Um, I actually really like First Man as well. I think it's very, very underrated. I didn't see First Man. It's, it's genuinely really good. Didn't it come out like the same time as... Wasn't The Martian? What was the Brad Pitt one? Ad Astra. I'm sure that I came out around the same time. I think we got them in the UK the very close. Time. Also, I, I think it was like not necessarily critically loved across the board so I think that could be quite off-putting so I mean I was there's only so many films about astronauts I can watch at once I think yeah fair so I was looking forward to to this to a point because it's Damon Chazelle's work and when I say I was looking forward to it like when it was announced because it had Emma Stone attached to it because it had Brad Pitt attached to it um it was initially touted as being about old Hollywood and in particular Clara bow as well which i'm Mm. sure we'll unpick later down the line so i was kind of intrigued um and then when it came out in the states and when it had some i think it uh premiered at a couple of film festivals perhaps and the general consensus was like "Mm, not great then i became quite apprehensive and then had convinced myself that we were just gonna hate it so therefore just didn't prioritize it Mm. so i've basically done a whole 180 from being like oh this could be fun to being like no, I don't want to do this. No, but then so many people we know gave it like five stars as well. Which also was confusing. And we're like, haha, cinema. So I thought, well, it could be fun at the very least. Uh, like ridiculous. I think haha, cinema is like what Damien Chazelle wants us to do. Haha, cinema. Haha, cinema. Yeah. Um, I initially kept getting this modelled up with Amsterdam. <laughs> don't know I mean, why. there's a lot to be David said about Russell. that, to be honest. I don't know. For some reason, I just... I, big ensemble cast, It's I the Margot guess. Robbie aspect. Yeah, and I was just like, which one is the one I don't want to see? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I probably don't have as much investment in uh, David Chazelle. Uh, La La Land's good. I didn't see First Man, so... But, you know, he's fairly respected. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I saw the trailer and it looked silly and bawdy and I decided it was kind of 
worth it for Brad Pitt's face. If I thought I'm it'd be fun. Absolutely honest. Yeah, yeah, I was like, you know, this could make my head hurt like Moulin Rouge. But for me, I'm not like a whimsical golden age of Hollywood person. But if it's like, just look how mad... If it's just like three hours of absolute madness, then I could probably get on with it and find it quite fun. I think that you're making that Moulin Rouge comparison actually is very apt because it does... The trailer in particular, I think, had a very like... Baselum and tone. It did, to didn't it? it? It reminds me of that specific scene in Moulin Rouge when they're at Moulin Rouge, the can can. Yeah, doing the can can. It's yeah. exactly, I feel like it was purposefully kind of. Yeah, I think it was. Ta- ta- tailored. Um, trailered like that. So it had those vibes, and I thought, I don't know, I could I could probably have fun with that and based on the strength of the cast because there are quite a few good people yeah. in it. And then we saw it <laughs> and. I don't think either of us went to the loo, actually. You did really well, to, of note, um, for like 6,000 hours. I ate a sandwich in the cinema, though, so that probably says a lot. No, I feel like I had to nip out at one point. No, I don't think you did. Did I not? Did you not? No, I don't think you did. Oh, okay. I think you did really Congrats well. Congrats to me. Congrats um, on the strength of your bladder. Well done. Um, what did you think? What were your general impressions when we came out of it? Because we did have a bit of a chat afterwards, and I think it was very interesting coming out and hearing reactions from other people in the cinema who were like, holy shit, that was the best thing I've ever seen. And then you and I not feeling that way at all. Can I just read what I've written? Yeah. Off the bat. This is a very much stream of consciousness. So just just imagine that I'm, I've taken on... I'm like, the, April, we've just got out the cinema. What do you think? Uh, it's 1927. I'm doing a modernist response to Babylon. I've just gone quite hollow. Is it actually telling anything new? Why does it descend into the lazy trope of mansplaining singing in the rain? Why do I feel nothing for these characters? Why wasn't it just a straight biopic of Clara Bow and the real people of Hollywood? Why would I have been better off re-listening to Karina Longworth's series on Hollywood Babylon? Yeah. When will Margot Robbie stop doing the Jersey voice? Do oh. I hate Margot Robbie now? This is my question. What's going on there? So that's my general my general reactions, most of which I think I did communicate to you. Yeah, I think that was almost verbatim yeah. what you probably said to me as we got out of the cinema, which were all... I just was quite confounded, really. Yeah, I've, I was quite unimpressed. I actually found it, for a film that is trying hard to be qu- quite soulless, mm-hmm. even though it kind of chaotically moves between the sort of, I don't know, like a, criti- a critical view of Hollywood at that mm-hmm. time and then also trying to end on the magic of cinema um, yeah. and have some sort of like really emotional high point. Mm-hmm. I found it, completely unoriginal and quite soulless um and i think we both agreed that the first like maybe third was much better yeah despite the need to like shit and vomit everywhere well which made that felt needless it was like completely needless again tits everywhere yeah just like doesn't serve any real purpose clearly a film that doesn't want to be subtle so that's mm-hmm. fine it's trying to be sort of unhinged and debauched and loud and entertaining um, so it kind of starts that way and it's fine. It's obviously overly very choreographed, but in that kind of Moulin Rouge way, so fine, noisy and messy. And you get these three main characters drawn together by sort of circumstance and it sort of attempts to take you on this epic, lifelong story of the rise and fall of Hollywood stars. It's just that twin... Um, I know other films have done it previously quite well. You've got the kind of... You know, isn't it depraved and immoral and awful, but more also amazing and aspirational and full of talent? Mm-hmm. And, you know, that you can kind of balance those. That is the double I think you, sword of Hollywood. I think you can balance that. Having yeah. like a very pro and anti, like if, if you're going to be quite binary about mm. it, I think you can 
present something that has a very like pro and against yeah like, tone but it felt quite i don't know it felt very very long it's quite messy. messy yeah messy definitely doesn't do anything particularly new it made me sort of think of lots of other films mm-hmm. whilst we were watching it um i think we discussed afterwards like some scenes almost felt like they were lifted from other films yeah. but not in a kind of homage way no. just um and some were quite recent films which felt a bit weird I wasn't moved by it. And then the final moments really like killed it for me as well. So I don't know. It just felt something like La La Land feels so tight. Yeah. And this just felt like a very big bloated elephant poo mess. It felt like it just needed like editing down and there felt like there were sections of it that could just be pulled from it entirely and and to with no effect on the narrative. Mm. Like... I, I do keep coming back to the idea that it just feels so hollow. Like, it felt so hollow to me. There's just nothing there, is there? I just had this very, like, like the first hour of it, I think, is is genuinely, like, quite fun in parts. And then thereafter, I was just sat there thinking, like, is it just me? Or am I just, like, I'm just getting nothing from no. this. So I was quite relieved when we left and you just felt exactly the same as me because I was just so concerned that I was having this, like, fairly independent response to it in the mm. moment. And that like maybe you weren't, but I I mean not like not that you gave me that impression when we were sat there for three hours together. Mm. Um, but I just was I, I mean it was so funny to hear everyone else's responses as we left the cinema because I did it honestly just feel a bit like did you watch the same thing as me? Oh yeah, some people were losing their minds when they came out. Like the the spectacle of it had so overwhelmed them in a a great way, which I mean is not a bad thing obviously, no. good for them. But what did you think of the kind of the story and the structure, because as I said, you get these three main characters, although, and here comes a criticism, it's also kind of four. It's like three and a half. And you get them kind of advancing through their careers. So you get Manny, who um, is a Mexican immigrant, who then becomes almost like a studio bigwig. Um, you've got Nelly, who's very much, um, you know, wants to be an actress, by chance manages to get her big break. Then she's really flavour of the month. And then the kind of walls descend. And then you've got Jack, who is effectively aged out of his role. So it's sort of trying to tell this big lifelong narrative, which, again, is not, you know, a bad thing. It's kind of like a, you know, this large, it's sort of like focusing on a few characters to show a larger narrative about Hollywood and the movie business and sort of how it adapts and changes and how it's simultaneously carnage and magic. So it kind of... Yeah, I completely get what you're, you're getting out there um i do think that having that multi-perspective on something as large and sprawling as hollywood at that time like makes sense because i think that attempting to ground it in one character just wouldn't work Mm. and it also would just feel even more all over the place i think Mm. if you would for example if you were just focusing on manny Mm. so i sort of liked the I, I do like that it throws you in and presents you with the characters that you are going to be following throughout. Mm, and mm. I think, like you said, we said that the first hour is actually quite fun in parts. Mm. Like you, the film begins with the build up to this like very OTT and outlandish and you know lavish, literally party. piles of coke. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah. It, you build up to this. You know, I think it's like thirty-two minutes before the opening credits, saying Babylon even appear, and that's quite oh, fun, it is, isn't it? Yeah, it's the pace of it feels you know like appropriate it has those i feel like it's probably reductive to make the comparison to baz Luhrmann, but it was reminding me of again moulin rouge like we'd say that frenetic energy but it was reminding me of some of the party scenes in like Mm -hmm. gatsby and stuff like that like it's meant to be very gatsby-esque yeah it's meant to be like this is the roaring 20s you've all heard about this is the level of excess that everyone was engaging with but i think the problem from my point of view was the film obviously like you said has a three 
act structure over the course of the three hours to an extent and I think the problem with having it start in such a frantic way is that hours two and three thereafter for me just felt bizarre and descended into chaos but like not in a fun way no they were just quite long just felt long and and drawn out and so much of the plot felt muddy and confusing I just think the ending in particular which we can expand upon a bit perhaps later is that I just think it's a genuine crime (laughs) like it's so awful the tone of the film generally for me is very odd like you made reference to it's like on the one hand very corny and sentimental about this particular period in time Mm. and then also like absolutely depraved and vulgar Mm. and like doesn't want to hold back from you know showing you all the gross parts of it but i think after the first couple of instances of like the elephant shitting all over (laughs) someone and then like seeing people completely smashed and just having having sex in front of lots of other people and doing loads of drugs and being naked like the first couple of instances of that it just became like less shocking and actually just felt quite needy yeah um so the tone i just felt was really strange and then also this is something again that i think can work in films if it's deployed in an effective way but it's quite anachronistic in parts too so the language the way that everyone's speaking Mm. the dancing some of the clothing as well just felt far more contemporary than for that period of time and like i said it it can work i've seen films i know we've talked about films where actually there are anachronistic points that don't necessarily detract from what it's trying to convey Mm. but here it just felt felt jarring like i spent a lot of time thinking about like would nelly actually be wearing that like would her hair look like is that that? something they would be doing and putting in films at that particular Mm. like there were loads of instances like that where actually I was spending too much time thinking about that, which from my point of view just made me feel a bit like I was really not enjoying it and mm-hmm. giving myself over to it because it was all irritating me. Yeah. In a way, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, and there's some proper eye rolly moments as well. Like you say, it kind of whacks you over the head at the beginning with those scenes, it's which very are kind of fun. Handed. Yeah, but then you have this scene later, like the underground scene with oh. McKay, played by Toby Maguire, where people are doing anything for money and it's kind of <laughs> very much spectacle. It's inhuman and it's kind of, you know, this would look amazing, you know, like this is what cinema is going to be. And it, but it was just like, I just found that really cringe, to be honest. It just felt um, like a very... Like, wow, thanks for telling me. It, it felt like the mansplaining almost of like you know, oh, things have gotten so out of control and wild. Well, which people eat mice now. But people are doing anything to get some kind of kicks. And it just felt like there are ways of getting that across without having to I thought that was a really weird scene. I didn't like... like, Why? Why I didn't like that section in particular because part of it just made me feel like really uncomfortable. And not in like a prudish sort of way, just just in like this feels like tonally deaf. No, yeah, there was a few tonally deaf things. Um... The performances, like performances-wise, I was—I mean, none of the performances are bad. They no. are perfectly fine. I just didn't really feel anything towards them. And as you say, a lot of the characters are lo- loosely based, mm-hmm. some quite loosely, some, you know, a bit more closely based on real people. Yeah. But I, I just felt nothing... I thought at least I would feel something quite strongly for Manny, played by Diego Calva as a kind of... He's very handsome, by the way. Congratulations. But this kind of, you know, Mexican immigrant, treated like shit, finds his way to the top by sort of pure graft. Um, But then he has this, you know, he forgets where he came from or who he is. And then he gets embroiled in something bigger that brings him down down to earth. 
And then we have this whole ending scene, God, where he sort of rediscovers the magic of cinema, which is very embarrassing. But I just felt nothing for any of them, really. No, I guess Manny, to that extent, is like a sort of audience avatar. Like, he's our Mm. in, isn't he? Because he's like the outsider on a very like literal sense across mm. the board. Um, I've never seen Diego Calva in anything prior to this. And he's, no. you know, he seemed really, really good. Very handsome, you know, does convey the energy of someone that like, you know, just really wants to get involved, mm-hmm. like is so just keen to be part of this world. But And gets treated like absolute dirt garbage in the, process, in the process. Which always feels a bit... But I just didn't care for Manny as a character as much as I think you're supposed to. Like, his intentions towards the end just felt very strange to me and all over the place. And And the way that he just, like, instantly fell for um, Margot Robbie's character and then just kind of would do anything for her. Matt gets married but still would do anything for her. I just wasn't convinced by Um, it. I mean, Margot Robbie in this is good. She's just Margot Robbie, though. She's always the same. Yeah, I mean, my my feeling is that I worry that her performances are very much becoming the same. Like, Mm. why is she... Why is she doing like the Harley Quinn voice that she did in Birds of Prey, and I think she did in Amsterdam as well? The only voice she does. It's just very, it's very odd, and it makes me um, slightly concerned because I've always felt that like she's a very likable actress, and I've always been really impressed with everything that she's done on screen. Mm. Um, She also does the voice in Wolf of Wall Street as well, which I think is an interesting comparison to this film in a sense. Yeah. But um, she was fine. It's just a very Margot Robbie performance. Yeah. And I felt like the treatment of both of those characters was very like, you know, Hollywood treat immigrant bad, Hollywood treat women bad. Yes. You've got to love it, haven't you? There's the magic of cinema at the end. It's very kind of, yeah. And then you have Jack played by Brad Pitt who of course I mean I don't know if you knew but this could like almost be autobiographical for him April because he's an aging actor too I do like that knowing casting of him though as an older member of Hollywood like because he is now it's quite funny but they basically did that in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood well, and then Leo this is, this is the thing like he's playing someone that's past his prime and is struggling to find a place for himself. Obviously, here it's in a post-talkies landscape. Mm. It makes it was making immediate comparisons for me, obviously, and for you, I know, because we talked about it with like, Leo's character mm. in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and then also his character in Once, uh, yeah, Pitt's yeah, character yeah. in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It's like aged out of Hollywood, you um, say. And like, I felt new. like no, it's not new. I felt like he was great, and be- but because of who he is, he occupies the same space as like a bona fide movie star so mm-hmm. that didn't feel like some, that much of a stretch no like, Brad Pitt's one of the last great movie stars so mm-hmm. this didn't like it's felt n- like knowing but it didn't feel like a stretch he's good but no, like and, and it's as you say it's kind of been done a few times recently actually yeah. so I didn't I didn't glean anything new from that I don't think he's doing anything new in it is he no which is no that fine. point has been raised quite a few times like, recently especially now a lot of the big as you say some of the the bigger icons of the last 30, 40 years yeah. aging now. Yeah. Um, and then we also have Sidney Palmer played by, um, I'm, I should have looked this up, I think it's Hovan Adipo, mm-hmm. um, who gets this subplot to himself, who is a musician um, who's sort of given an opportunity to find bigger success with the talking pictures, mm-hmm. but still treated differently to his white counterparts. I just can't believe they gave that half a story. So I really liked this particular part of the film. It's obviously inspired heavily by like jazz legends like Duke Ellington, Mm. Louis Armstrong. I do wish the film had focused more on his story and in particular like his specific rise and fall. Though I also 
will say on the flip side, and this is something that has been thrown at Damien Chazelle in the past, mm. is I don't necessarily think it would have been appropriate for him, him to be telling to tell that the story. story yeah. And he's someone who loves jazz. Like, if you've seen Whiplash, yeah, yeah. if you've seen La La Land, like, Damien Chazelle's background in enjoying mm-hmm, jazz mm-hmm. is, like, very much there and obvious. Mm. Um and I think it's why this particular part of the film works so well is because he knows how to capture like live music. He knows how to film and get that frantic like rendering on screen of what it's like to be performing and listening yeah. to jazz. Like he gets it. With and the but, heat of the camera. And yeah, the, yeah, but this lighting. is the part of the film that I just kind of wish it... Like I would love to hear this story. I felt like it needed to be in or out really. Yeah. And it was kind of... He was the, the point five of a character. Yeah. So it's yeah. three characters plus Sydney plus a bit. Yeah. But he's sort of just the background like here he is again. He's also having his own trajectory yeah. which is and isn't going well. But we won't expand on that too much. It's this part that I was excited about. Yeah. Like when it, when it became apparent that like because he keeps popping up on film sets because he's you know doing music and then when he obviously outrightly says to Manny like you should be turning your camera Mm. the other way and he's implying Mm. that he should you know the musicians should be on screen Mm. this puts off a light bulb in Manny's head that was a part I was like oh okay cool like Mm. this is going to be interesting then because you're going to be following the trajectory of like you know like black performers at the time and and their position and blah blah but But he literally just popped up as you say it was a pop-up every few acts yeah and then and so again it was like this kind of story arc with a black actor just kind of it was just it felt a bit weird it felt strange didn't it yeah we kind of i mean we've we've covered a lot of sort of setting in the world building really uh i think we both quite liked the earlier scenes the sort of pre-talkies um stuff out in the desert on the sort of mad slapdash film sets I, i hadn't watched I don't think I've seen that. That felt like a a side of the industry that I hadn't seen as much on screen before. So I found that quite interesting to see, you know, the multiple sets out in the desert and the way that it was just kind of chaos, but it was... You know. I I really liked that. I thought it was a fun look at like the the fast paced slapdash mm. approach to filmmaking that would have existed at that time on these like sprawling lots where lots was going on at the same time. You know, like the multiple m- movies of different types in production. Like that felt that was quite energetic. And yeah, that was, like, a, that was a part that I really enjoyed. And I hadn't thought. I mean, no, my I as I said, like my knowledge of this period, a of sort of Hollywood cinema is not really good personally. But I found that quite interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it, and it, I, I felt like to that end, like thinking about like the spaces around Los Angeles, and and it mm. made, made me think of um the part in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood where they go out to the ranch yeah, where lots absolutely. of the westerns were filmed. Um, I felt like the film did give a sense of how Los Angeles as a sprawling city was really in its infancy during this Mm. particular period in the 20s. So, for example, when we drive out to Wallach's house at the start, that's meant to be in Bel Air, which obviously now is an extremely fancy and built up Mm. and affluent area, but it shows you that literally the city was like a dust bowl. Yeah, yeah with like a house every so often mm. because someone had decided to build a house there and then how its rise is so tied into the wealth of the film industry mm. and that felt like interesting from like a geographic point of view because i obviously like know that because of the way yeah. that like having vague awareness of like you know how how so much of the west of the united states for example didn't become built up until this particular mm-hmm, period mm-hmm. just by like migration etc etc mm. um but that felt like an interesting like little nod yeah. to it. But then when it kind of when you actually transition into the the talkies, basically, yeah. it just kind of feel you know we're 
a i guess that is something you know that's a, a setting um and an atmosphere that we're more familiar with and mm-hmm. we've seen more on screen as well but it just felt a bit more like kind of nothing for me i guess um, it just didn't work i don't think yeah and it was kind of i don't know just as a whole experience i felt like why why are we doing another kind of self-congratulatory film about the magic of westernized hollywood cinema and sort of aren't there like 40 other films that have already done that quite a while ago and i just felt it didn't like we've said off the bat i just don't think it particularly was presenting anything new i think it really overemphasizes this notion of hedonism and Mm. people being really out of control you know like that like the roaring 20s gatsby stuff i've already said everyone's letting loose and having a good time (laughs) it just felt gratuitous but, but not in it, a very effective way. But they're not in an effective way. No. It just wasn't saying anything. And like you say, this transition to the talkies, which was obviously such a significant shift mm. and affected so many people, I just think there are much better renderings of it on screen. Which we literally have for a lot of this film yeah. as well. The singing in the rain stuff well, okay, so is let's, just kind of like... Let's, let's, let's use this as an opportunity then to, to talk about the ending. Because I think... I think that was the part of it that for me just felt like the most genuinely insulting Mm -hmm. and then made me realise that a few of the things that I had picked up whilst watching the film that felt like little nods Mm. to Singing in the Rain in particular from a visual point of view and from a storytelling point of view were just like very blatant like, oh, so what you're doing here is you're trying to imply that like Singing in the Rain as its own film that came out in 1952 was like inspired by the specific events that Manny has experienced in the film and that somehow he's sat there and he's going like, oh my God, they've made a film out about, you know, fucking Nelly. About our lives together. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think I would have been so frustrated with that if it hadn't been something that we'd already done a lot of unpacking about when La La Land came out. Yeah, yeah. Because La La Land, like, purposefully riffs on singing in the rain and those particular movie musicals of that period but successfully but does it in a way that like didn't feel hokey didn't feel like oh you've taken the plot of singing in the rain and you've just updated Mm. it for like 2016 it was like a nice effective homage homage yeah this felt like he was attempting to do it again as like a slightly grimier version which just felt like you're, you're basically just going beat for beat going like oh okay well i'm just gonna i've watched singing in the rain a thousand times like many people so what i'm gonna do is the characters that i'm creating mm-hmm. i'm gonna put them in like very like literal um scenes where they are doing things that happen in singing in the mm-hmm. rain and then at the end manny's gonna the go to the reveal. cinema and see singing in the rain and think yeah. like oh shit they've made a film about my life essentially essentially yeah, yeah, yeah. that's that what is it kind of boils what down it is. To. yeah and I just, it, it was, it's that, and then it was the fucking montage. The montage is ridiculous and also doesn't make sense. It doesn't it's make like sense. It's like a five-minute montage of clips throughout film history, starting from the beginning of filmmaking through to Avatar, which is, what, 50 years later? 60 what the f- It was very strange. Very, very strange I, and very embarrassing. I honestly was crawling the walls by that um, point. Yeah, just really odd. Very, a, very odd. An attempt to then sort of heighten itself to the realms of... I don't know. It was a strange tonal shift. It was very, such a U-turn. Very odd. It wasn't just That felt like, like a six-form project. It did. someone was... It honestly did. It's not just like, oh, Manny, a man who was involved in the movie industry, 
because of some unfortunate events, has to flee, start a new life, obviously has a child and a wife. They're in LA and then perhaps he just goes to movie theatre and like maybe just, oh, okay, he's watching something. We don't have to see what it is, but he you understand that he's re-engaging with something that yes. he's probably disengaged with for painful reasons. Yeah, it's, that would have been fine. And that it's that moment of hope, isn't it? It's yeah. that kind of, you know, there's a lot of talk about the old ways dying and things yep. passing, yep. but things continuing and the cycle goes on. So he has this like sort of moment of epiphany about, yeah, reconnecting with what he loves. But there's also this sense of future I guess because he's in a much more contemporary you know he's in a contemporary setting things have changed big studio lot blah 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 Um, and this so you get this sense of looking to the future but yeah the actual montage clip itself absolutely just executed so poorly in a way that I just felt embarrassed for everyone involved yeah it was quite embarrassing genuinely and it did just make me think of lots of other films (laughs) A I mean obviously I thought about Singing in the Rain and then I thought about and we'll go on to this, the fact that we've had quite a few of these films recently and why is that? But I also did think that we've had a very recent kind of quite masculine film with Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood that dealt with quite similar mm-hmm. themes in mm-hmm. a way, but was arguably funnier, in my opinion. I just wasn't sure why we were doing it all over again. I just don't... I think essentially my overall feeling is that it is just extremely hollow and doesn't really give you anything new. There's there's no nuance to it. No, even the stories of kind of Manny's experience, Nellie's experience is kind of... Yeah, we've we've had that before, but it doesn't bring anything new. It doesn't tell you anything new. I mean, Nellie literally just disappears anyway. She's so. a woman that has obviously like traumas from her past... Mm-hmm. And now she's basically just living fast because she's damaged, essentially. And then Manny's just an immigrant who's trying to work his way up and Mm. then suddenly it's taken away from him. I didn't feel like the film actually treated Nellie's character with much respect, generally. No, it doesn't. Even, I know, you know, arguably it's just showing the reality of what happens, but I don't know, I just felt like it didn't... No, I just ...didn't give that character much space at all. No, not Um, at all. And so actually didn't respect her very much, despite thinking that it was... Um, I just didn't, I thought at least if I found it ridiculous and silly and a bit empty, it would be fun. But I actually, as you said, found like the first maybe 45 minutes quite fun and then was mostly just looking at Brad Pitt. It's all just (laughs) bells and whistles and then nothing else. There is nothing there. It was quite empty, wasn't it? It's so empty. Just go watch other stuff. Why, Why is it three hours long? I find it absolutely hysterical that it's not really gotten any major Oscar nominations. He it was so aggressively gunning for this to be. Oh, that's exactly what it was. Board. And the only ones it's received are best original score, which is fair because Justin Hurwitz's yeah. score is wonderful. Best production design. I mean, well, in um, terms of world building, elaborate on like a literal sense, yeah. great. And then best costume design, which mm. you know, fair play. But the rest, I think, I just. I mean, the cinematography was very straightforward. Nothing, again, nothing remarkable there at all. But I just feel like he was so purposefully gunning for this. Well, yeah, because these films, by large, usually do, don't they? Get that kind of attention. Um, So it's interesting that it hasn't. Well, we're never going to watch that again, are we? No, I've just got no interest to watch it again, to be honest. So there we go. Good for us. Um, I took a chance. I watched it so that I could, for better or for worse, admire Brad Pitt's face. And yeah, I didn't win out. Delivered on that front, though, so there we go. Yeah, it did. He looked quite handsome. So, from one film about the magic of movies to another, 
Um, we also saw, as we said at the beginning, The Fablemans, which is a 2022 coming-of-age drama directed by Steven Spielberg and is a semi-autobiographical story loosely based on his own adolescence and first years as a filmmaker, told through an original story of the fictional Sammy Fableman, a young aspiring filmmaker who explores how the power of films can help him see the truth about his dysfunctional family and those around him. In this family, it's the scientists versus the artists. Sammy's on my team, takes after me. What kind of movie are we going to make? Um, it stars Gabriel LaBelle as Sammy, alongside Michelle Williams, Paul Dano, Seth Rogen and Judd Hirsch in supporting roles, amongst others. Um, the film is dedicated to the memories of Spielberg's real-life parents, Leah Adler and Arnold Spielberg, who died in 2017 and 2020, respectively. Spielberg had conceived the project in around 1999 with his sister, who wrote a screenplay titled I'll Be Home. He had extreme reservations about exploring his family's own story because of, I guess, inevitable concerns that his parents would feel quite hurt and therefore the project was withheld for 20 years until they had both passed away. During the pandemic, Spielberg revisited the project with screenwriter and frequent collaborator Tony Kushner and the two of them completed the screenplay during the first year of Covid. The Fablemans had its world premiere at the Toronto International Film Festival on September the 10th, 2022, where it won the People's Choice Award. It's worth noting that it's the first time that Steven Spielberg's ever entered one of his films into an awards competition at a film festival, hmm. which is very interesting. Um, thereafter, in the States, it began a theatrical run in November, and then we didn't obviously get it here in the UK until January 23rd of this year, 2023. So... I guess a good place to start with this one is to sort of think about Steven Spielberg generally. Um, so what were your expectations about this film, The Fablemans, and then your general kind of feelings towards Steven Spielberg as a director? Um, yeah, I don't know we've really discussed Spielberg very much before, have we? Which no. Which interesting. I probably mentioned West Side Story on our yeah. 2021 wrap up yeah maybe and then i watched it early last year and yeah. actually really enjoyed it but i don't it. think we've actually covered anything or spoken no. about it length before. i mean i think you'd probably be hard pushed to find someone who doesn't like spielberg entirely i rewatched jaws the other day actually and Love that. it's just so good but yeah you know like indiana jones et jurassic park like they're the films i sort of classically think of with spielberg and they have this sense of kind of wonder don't they and the extraordinary and i feel like I haven't seen as many of his more recent films. I say recent, like the past 20 years. Um, but I did really like West Side Story. Um, I think there's kind of no denying how good he is as a director. And this film, you know, it sounded like it, you know, it had a strong sort of autobiographical approach. Um, and he had a biographical approach with Lincoln. It was Lincoln. He did do Lincoln, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. So he's kind of done something a little bit similar in terms of sort of biography before, but this definitely felt, sounded very different to the films that I personally kind of know him for. Um, and the, yeah, sort of the close parallels with his life, felt like more of an intimate study or, you know, a smaller world for him to be looking at rather than something that might fill you with that kind of, larger than life childlike wonder um so i was really curious about it actually and i knew it would get a good write-up and it did but i guess i was also again kind of apprehensive about this magic of cinema thing and what that might take and just how sentimental 
it might be as a piece. Um, I wasn't I wasn't sure whether I would like it or whether I'd be able to appreciate it, but like be like that really wasn't for me. It was a bit too saccharine. Yeah, what about you? Completely understand where you're coming from on the sentimentality front. I felt like I felt like I sort of had an epiphany whilst watching this and realised mm. that like Spielberg generally has had such a significant impact on my cinematic experience and mm. the guest I think the cinematic experience <laughs> of like all of us mm. really it's nothing new it's not an, like a you know revelatory thing to be mm. saying that but it was just something that I'd completely undervalued really well, I think most of our for most people our age their first experience of cinema will be a Spielberg film yeah 100% like Jurassic Park yeah definitely like that will be your first experience yeah and I think to that end I think that because he's had such an overarching presence I do feel like I always turn out for whatever he's releasing I think mm-hmm. it hasn't been all hits in the last 20 years and it's interesting that you touched on that I in particular think of like Ready Player One oh um, yeah that was tested for me. and the BFG in particular which didn't seem Ooh. to work at all um but then he's also had some absolute smashes that I've really enjoyed I am a big advocate of the post I know it doesn't work for everyone oh, yeah. yeah I really like it I loved West Side Story I West think Side Story was brilliant it's you know obviously it's a remake it, it's questionable whether it needs to exist but I just absolutely loved how having the Spielberg take on it. Um, So I think to that end, I'm always just really intrigued to see what he's doing next. And I think when this was announced, again, it didn't seem surprising to me because he's like the king of sentimentality. Mm. So it felt inevitable that he would almost turn that on himself. Yeah. And the cast seemed great as well. So I was kind of hyped for it in like a, oh, okay, we'll just see this. I think this will be enjoyable. Mm. So all that in mind, what were your kind of general reactions to it Mm. when we saw it? So for the first... I don't know, maybe the first half hour. I think it probably didn't help that we'd seen Babylon because I actually felt more sceptical as a result of that. Mm. I just thought, I don't know whether I actually do need to watch another movie so soon about movie making. Yeah. Um, and for the first half hour, I did. I was kind of like, this is good, but this is very whimsical, isn't it? Um, kind of young Sammy watching The Greatest Show on Earth and getting his first camp. The childhood stuff, basically. I thought, it's not bad, but I just, I don't know if the tone is going to, it's just not going to work for me. But then things got so much more interesting and satisfying when we sort of fast forward to Sammy as a teen. I just really, really enjoyed it. I had such a good time. And it certainly felt like a deeply personal story. And the kind of the relationship, you know, with the, you know, it's a portrait of a family. It's very much looking small instead of big, quite a contained window of time as well. And so I, th- yeah, I was kind of, I was kind of bowled away by it in lots of ways. I really enjoyed its warmth and its humour. Um, and by the end, I was sort of quite convinced that it's a film that really does convey a passion for film without sort of falling over itself to really. It felt like it was a, I don't want to say a love letter, I don't want to say a love letter, but it was passionate about the art form and about, it was a kind of celebration of making art and how art and creative expression kind of shape the way that we see and experience the world. And it was that kind of making aspect rather than there. I was like, this is what I want to watch. This is what I'm interested in. I'm not interested in the industry. I'm not interested in the, I mean, for people who actually run a pop culture podcast i am obviously interested in a lot of the gossip and the the idea of celebrity i find really interesting but some of that kind of some of the other stuff like the babylon stuff really is not interesting to me but that way that we find ourselves and explore ourselves and explore relationships with other people through 
making things and creating art um I really really felt touched by that and um I know that like the actual shooting experience was quite emotional and that Spielberg apparently was crying quite a lot on set um I mean god knows what it must feel like to share that much of yourself with the world especially at a certain stage in your life I, I wonder what the kind of the experience of watching this back once you've made it must be like I just yeah I felt so much warmth towards it and I did think as well just kind of technically it it looks beautiful it sounds beautiful and it was actually a very fulfilling story and again I'm we will talk about the end no doubt but it was just so funny to compare that ending to the ending of Babylon how did you feel I'm so relieved that you loved it as much as I did <laughs> it was so I... Good. Honestly, I I was really sceptical too after we saw Babylon because I'd been really looking forward to this the more I actually thought about it. I thought I I initially had I'd kind of gone between being like, oh, I'm not that fussed, I'll just watch it at home and then being like, no, I want to see it in the cinema, like, it'll be fun. And then after we saw Babylon, I was just really like, God, if we go and see Fablemans and it's also just cringing, Isn't it wonderful? I'm yeah. just going to lose it. But I just, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I think you touched upon the fact that I feel like in the hands of any other director, I feel like this has the potential to feel overly corny or schlocky. Mm, mm. But I think it works because you almost, you lean into it, and I particularly leaned into it as an autobiographical family yeah. drama directed by someone whose entire career has been spent making films about parents and families yes. for parents yeah. and families. Like, yeah. if you go back and you look at some of the really significant key Spielberg films, mm. there's so much in there about fractured families, parents, missing parents, yeah, yeah, absolutely. you know, fraught relationships. Mm. So it just made sense that he would, like I said, when I was doing my intro, like it made sense that he would almost turn the camera yeah, himself. Yeah. Mm. It is really sentimental and it's extremely earnest, but I really like that. I feel like it flits really well between being a family drama and then being a coming of age story. The two of them in intertwining inevitably mm. and then what you said so eloquently about this idea of like what engaging in art does to you and what you take from it and how mm. you process things around you based on the art that you may be engaging mm. with and I felt like I completely agree with you and that like that's what I want from films that are about art and filmmaking and things yeah. like that versus the Babylon side of stuff yeah so to that end it just felt like quite a nicely timed counterpoint I mean it's earnest but it's not bullshit no you know? and I think I think this is the thing I think like I said I think if it had been any other director I think it would have come off as just being twee mm. and you know like a little bit just awkward but it just works because he just knows what he's doing because he is so adept at like taking sentimentality and mm -hmm. like manipulating it and weaponizing it for like artistic effect but like not in a not in an aggressive and pointed way no. just in a way that he just knows how to kind of do the right things yeah. with it yeah if that makes sense yeah absolutely yeah it's i'm so glad you liked it as well <laughs> um so you know, in terms of the kind of story and structure of we've we've mentioned the fact that obviously the film begins in Sammy's childhood in New Jersey. We're presented with him as a small child going to the cinema for the first time with his parents, Bert, played by Paul Dano, and then his mother Mitzi, played by Michelle Williams. And I think it it has kind of three acts, I suppose, in the mm. sense. So you've got the New Jersey side of things, you've got the 
parts where they move to Phoenix because of Bert's job working in electronics. He's working for GE, so he gets poached to work on new technologies. And then it also transitions to California when, again, Bert moves because of his career. So it has this kind of three-act structure. What did you think of the storytelling generally and the way that it evolves on screen? Mm. It's funny actually talking through it how many parallels there are with Babylon. Yeah, it's funny, Babylon it? also has that kind of three-part structure. Yep. And it, you know... It's a it's, classic. <laughs> yeah, and it's kind of... Well, yeah, obviously. But do you know what I mean in terms of kind of... I don't know. It, Putting um, them side by side, I think it yeah, really it's, made it obvious to me as well. Yeah, um, and the kind of balance of truth and fiction yeah. that both of the films have yeah. and how, you know, people are based on other people and, you know, some things are very close to home, some things aren't. Um, and, yeah, again, this could have really totally been two and a half hours of adulation for the magic of... I, I keep wanting to saying cinema, but you know what I mean. Yeah. But you don't because at the beginning things are very wholesome, but then things start to unravel with the Fableman family. And as you say, you get this greater sort of sense of art and creativity as a sort of conduit for Sammy's understanding of mm-hmm. the world. And both through the process of making film and by watching the end product, people kind of find truth, but also have, you know, tr- things are manipulated to punish others. Um, and it just felt generally way less superficial than Babylon, actually. And I really liked the way the detail with which they recreated key moments from Spielberg's life. Again, not in a kind of corny way, but like the scene where he's filming his first kind of short, like the World War Two kind of mm-hmm. short, and the mm-hmm. way he was sort of negotiating special effects yeah. and, you know, the reaction that that had when he was airing it. And I just love... I did kind of love the idea of these characters recreating those really sort of key moments of Spielberg's life. I think those moments are really interesting because you sort of see the, like, origins of... Because he's known for being quite a you mm. know, methodical, meticulous filmmaker. And I think that section in particular where he's filming the war epic which has obviously been really heavily influenced, we learned by him talking to his dad about his dad's experiences. Um, But there's like the little things where you see how he's worked out how to make it look like there are bombs exploding by like digging a hole, putting a, a... piece of wood in it yeah and that was so putting good. something on top of the mm. end like creating like a seesaw putting some stuff on the one end of the wood and then getting the people to like jump on the other end so it flashes up um there's a instance early in an earlier film he meant makes the western where he works out that if you put pinholes in yeah. the film reel mm. it looks like a shot has been fired mm. from the gun because he watches it back and he just is really taken by the artificiality of like people firing prop guns mm-hmm. with no yeah know, it was really getting to him, it was getting it? to yeah. him but he works out so I, I like i really liked those little instances of it yeah. i think it just i suppose in a reductive way you can talk about the film obviously tracking the origin story it's like an origin story i guess well it is gonna be very yeah. one note about it but I, don't I don't know there's something very honest and open about it that yeah. doesn't feel contrived and doesn't feel I don't think so I don't know there was I just really enjoyed that and I also wasn't I mean I was expecting it's called the fableman so I knew that this wasn't just going to be Sammy's story but it's such a film about his mother Mm -hmm. 
Well, his his relationship to both his parents, yeah. but I was really struck, obviously, with the his relationship with his mother and the fact that she too had big creative potential and creative dreams, which were probably sacrificed or, I mean, classic, you know, women don't always get yeah. to live their potential, do they? Um, but also the love that she, you know, put at bay or that she might have lost for years because, you know, she she had this family and she had the good guy to live with um, and all of that kind of stuff. I mean, the perform we'll go on to the performances, they're amazing. But I yeah, I was really, really struck by all of that as well. Um, and I read uh, a review by Mark Kermode, who was sort of like on the warmer end of, you know, he didn't love it. He enjoyed it. But he said that he felt that I just thought it was interesting because he said that he felt that because this is so specific to Spielberg's own life and is very intimate. But he thought it felt less universal than a lot of his other films, which I thought was interesting because I found it to be quite I felt I felt it was very universal I thought it was extremely universal yeah I mean the thing it was making me think of at times was a film that we talked about in our 2022 roundup which is After Sun in the sense Mm. that they're not you know the thematically obviously in part about parents but it was just making me think of this idea of like the older you get the more you look back on your life and you reflect on key parts of it particularly Mm. your childhood and I think I know it's something we've talked about before I think we may have mentioned on that episode is you kind of reconfigure your perception of your parents as being more like people and less your parents Mm -hmm. and so you start to see things from their perspective and go like oh actually like that probably was quite hard for xyz Mm -hmm. at that particular period because of this and I think this is a very interesting example of that because I don't I think in any other film I think Mitzi Fableman in particular would have been really heavily demonised for the choices and decisions that she makes that Mm -hmm. then affect her family. But in this instance, I just don't think you are. And I found that to be quite refreshing and telling of someone Mm. who perhaps has spent an entire lifetime grappling with Mm. this. I mean, I would be interesting to know... Actually, I mean, perhaps I'll ask you. Did you know a huge amount about Spielberg's life at all prior to watching this personally no no see the one I, I something i had been thinking about is actually how it would sit with someone who didn't know a huge amount about his mm. no I, I think it's really unsubtle with his links to it his actual upbringing yeah but then i don't think that's a bad thing no like, for example i think it's quite famously known that spielberg for example didn't talk to his dad for 20 years oh like, yeah that was yeah. a two decade mm. chasm mm in their relationship and this Mm. film I think is very interesting to look at through that lens just in terms of like an adult now as a parent who Mm. has been through divorce himself like Spielberg has experienced Mm. that looking back on his life and I Mm. think it's interesting to know that he waited for this long to turn Mm. this particular story into a film almost after his parents had passed away yeah because actually you know on the one hand, he said, I read in a couple of interviews where he'd said that his um, parents were sort of like crazing him to make a film about, mm. you know, because he'd obviously talked about this as a as a concept. Might not they'd, have been the film that they yeah, wanted. Yeah, they'd though. been quite keen for him to make it. But I think that's, that's interesting, isn't it? Because it's like, it's the idea of making the film that they want you to make mm. versus the film that you feel that you need to make. Mm. And he, ha- as you say, he does have, I think you can imagine Spielberg making this, the process of making this film, he shares a lot of understanding and sympathy for his mother yeah but also young sammy does as well and i feel like he he kind of finds out the discovers the truth of his mother's feelings through the films that he is making so it kind of the way that he makes art kind of 
I don't know, it he grows up quite quickly and it allows him to see the world. He it allows him to see truth, a truth that I don't think he would have seen maybe until he was a lot older, but he obviously discovered that quite early through his filmmaking. It's a process quite thing, Yeah, surely. I think it's really interesting. But I think that yeah. that that comment that Mark Herman makes about it not being universal, I I really I was vehemently just quite surprised I vehemently about disagree that. with it actually yeah. because I do think that like what's more universal than making a film about your parents and your family mm. and like even you know like family. being the oldest sibling yeah. like the relationship to a your parents yeah. and your other siblings yeah. when you're the oldest sibling i thought there was so much in there I actually a, i think there's actually a great it deal felt of... very specific but yeah. also very universal so let's we've touched upon it sort of briefly but let's move on to the kind of more the performances side of things who did you think in particular was very very strong in this what did you think of the cast because I think one of the things that pulled me into this, like I said at the beginning, is was the cast, mm. were the people that were involved. I think you're a fan of Michelle Williams, aren't you? I just love her. Yeah, and I haven't seen her... What was the last time I would have seen her in? I'm trying to think. God, it might be Venom. Is it Venom? I feel like, I worry. unfortunately... It might have been Venom. Probably going to be Venom, yeah. Which is no good for us. But yeah, Michelle Williams as Mitzi I thought was absolutely stunning with a kind of a woman who seemingly has everything she could want in the world including a devoted husband but actually has none of what she really needs um and she has a a need to be with benny and a need to create music and both of those things she's not able to do for a long time and I just thought she was absolutely amazing. She's just amazing. The scenes where she's kind of watching when Sammy sets up the camera and shows her the film um, that he's made of them on the camping trip. Just like that as a piece of acting based on her expression. It's just like absolutely... I just thought she was brilliant. She plays Mitzi with such a sense of yearning. Yeah. Um, in it's, a, pa- it's painful it's and really you get painful. that it's, it's shitty. And it is shit to... Leave, you know, it's shit when someone leaves, has to leave their family and sit, you know, leave the the family unit and the kids to, you know, to kind of do what they feel like they have to do deep inside. But it's like a very real, it's a thing that happens. Yeah, there was a, there was a, I was concerned in the beginning that she was playing Mitzi in a really overly quirky way, which she's often prone to do sometimes. Yeah, like, I, I think yeah. a lot about like it's in no way the same. But she's in The Greatest Showman. And the way that she plays the oh, role of Hugh Jackman's yep. wife in that is just like... Ugh, there's just something about it I just really, really don't like. But actually, I think her performance really evened out and actually became quite powerful. You Mostly because you eventually learn... You come to realise, sorry, that she's a very complex person with lots mm. of difficulties and probable inner demons, um, lots of you know uh, yeah. baggage that she's perhaps because of the time period. I'm sure she's perhaps not learnt to grapple with, and and I think it's you know like you said, it's there's this idea that actually she had great potential, great artistic mm. potential. And when her uncle, for for example, mm. arrives, he talks a lot about how she could have been a great concert pianist mm. and done all of this stuff. And instead she didn't. She settled, she married, she had children. Mm. And there's just this wanting with her that I feel like is just so palpable. And I think yeah. it's just a very Michelle Williams, like, performative thing. Um, I read that Spielberg had said that he cast both... Michelle Williams and Paul Dano in the film to play his parents after he'd seen them in other things that they'd done where he 
felt within their performances he saw things that he'd seen in his parents which oh I think interesting is an utterly yeah. fascinating like decision making yeah yeah you know thing and you know you mentioned at the beginning that it had been an extremely emotional process for him both Dano and Michelle Williams had said that like Spielberg was like constantly like very moved to tears on set when they would do particular scenes which mm. are basically acting out his life and I think that if you're going to get you've got two incredible performers yeah. in both Michelle Williams and Paul Dano but I thought I, I was actually very very taken with her performance God imagine at, yeah imagine that going through that process would that be therapy or would you need therapy after doing it I don't know interestingly um, there's a an HBO documentary about Steven Spielberg which I haven't seen but I've seen clips of it was on HBO a couple of years ago I think and he talks about how he's never had therapy but movies are his therapy and I think that like when I saw that after when I was doing some prep after we'd seen this um, that made so much sense to me Mm. yeah other but you mentioned uh, Paul Dano as Bert the kind of practical articulate scientific sort of sweet but frustrating side of um, the family and then um, I love Gabriel LaBelle as Sammy. He was like, great. Very charming. Yeah, lovely. Um, lovely to watch. Um, I also did love Judd Hirsch as uh, Great Uncle Boris, who arrives for a little while. I just love um, that he's in it for like 10 minutes. And yeah, he's kind of... Show. Yeah, right. He's kind of monologue on kind of art and being the outsider. I was like, yeah, for yeah. It just Hilarious. felt very powerful, doesn't it? Like that art versus family love family life type mm. speech it's obviously like it's it's like a very much like a turning point isn't it for sammy mm. sort of instigates him to buck up his act where his parents are concerned um i felt personally from a paul dano point of view it was just very nice to see him playing a dad and not a maniac or something oh yeah else. that's true actually yeah. he's not the riddler for a change yeah when i think about like i was very <laughs> he has been typeset as weirdo for a while yeah when Take, i was trying type to set typecast when i read that Spielberg thing about how he'd said you know i chose them for particular reasons i was just trying to think like what is it that <laughs> paul dano in but then i did the realize, manic energy yeah, yeah it's not going to be the riddler is it i, I thought hey perhaps <laughs> actually it's more likely to be um paul dano directed um an adaptation of a richard ford book a few years ago called wildlife which we may or may mm-hmm. not have talked about i um, think we did which yeah. is about a young boy who is coming to terms with his parents fractured relationship mm-hmm. and i sort of thought like maybe actually... that, i mean that's probably more likely than the batman isn't yeah it? <laughs> oh do you think it wasn't the riddler um seth rogan's great isn't he Seth Rogen's great in it. Nice to see him. Yeah, nice know? to see him. Haven't seen him in a while. That was good. Yeah. Um, and then there was there was the David Lynch. Film. Do you want to talk about the David Lynch? Oh God! I did you know this was coming? Um, I knew he was in it, but then I had forgotten he was in it oh, whilst okay. watching it. So I, nice. I kind of, when I went in and was feeling like a little bit sceptical. Um, I was kind of like, but it's fine though, because you'll love the bit where David Lynch turns up. Um, and then I forgot. And then when he rocked up at the end was, as John Ford, I was like, holy forgot. It was so nice lethal. to sit next to you and watch your reaction uh, to that. You looked so happy. I felt like welling up. I don't know why. I've been, I was moved to tears. Yeah. Genuinely. I've been listening to the audio book of David Lynch's biography, actually, at the moment. And I wanted to listen to it as opposed to read it because it's got this kind of weird two-part structure where you've got like a conventional biography um, and then sections that he narrates himself, which are just like a series of unconnected or maybe connected anecdotes. But I've already got such a sense of, um, I love him anyway, but a sense of warmth from him 
and care and there's a lot around family and the long-standing relationships he's had with people over decades and how he treats them like brothers even if he hasn't seen someone since they were like literally 13 years old and I just love him so much and so to see him in something like this of course they'd put David Lynch in that role makes sense but also wrapped up in this kind of quite warming film I just really I just love to see it and the ending is just so funny to sit alongside the ending of Babylon because the ending of this was like yeah that cinema like you meet a guy who's like a friggin icon and a hero and he says some like you know he's a jackass and he says some you know he gives you one piece of like absolutely golden advice and then tells you to fuck off and you leave and you go like yeah, that is it. That's the best thing that's ever happened to me. And I, just, I was like, that's what I want to see. The execution of the ending, actually, I think, like I said, right at the start of this conversation, I think in the hands of any other director would have been would have come across so corny. Yeah. Would it's been, so like, good, though. It's just really good. And also, you know? it's true. Yeah. That really happened, which yeah. is, like, wild. It's like wild. He, it, Yeah. And it just, I don't know. I just thought it was brilliant. And it didn't feel, somehow, it didn't feel corny no it felt like a a really nice nod to the fact that like spielberg occupies this space as sort of like like new hollywood i guess Mm. in a way and it's sort of like the idea of him meeting john ford who's like old hollywood Hollywood. and he's almost like giving him passing him the baton in like a very like non-literal sense yeah and then you think about how like you know spielberg then just takes off and has this incredible career and sort of like changes the way that like hollywood runs from like a stylistic you know he's 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 inspired an entire generation of uh filmmakers in the same way that john ford inspired an entire generation of filmmakers so it's this kind of funny like and it comes through this experience that's not like he didn't sit him on his knee and say like remember you know (laughs) yeah film will always be there for you the magic the magic of it all the wonder just never forget that you know it was like yeah a pretty spiky um, and you know sometimes you meet your heroes and they let you down but he kind of meets him and is like no oh, shit that was exactly the way it should have been like great. And it just kind of inspires him all over again when he's feeling quite dejected yeah. so um, I thought that was just such a nice ending um, any other thoughts criticisms feelings um, no as, on a cinematography level it genuinely does look phenomenal it's so um, good isn't it there are so many like subtle but beautifully executed shots you're just like god yeah this is like a series of absolute legends working together and then you've got the john williams um score it all just came together so nicely and again clearly it will be oscar bait but for once i don't resent that no i don't and i think there's you know like you mentioned the cinematography and you mentioned the score obviously cinematography is um Janice Kaminsky, who mm. Spielberg worked with for such a long time. Score is John Williams, yep. who he's worked with for such it's a long time. It's just a team time. of people that it's quite are funny. really good together. It's quite funny obviously. to sort of think of it and posit it in terms of like at this point in, in Spielberg's career, you know, he's not getting any younger, let's be honest. John Williams, for example, not nope. getting any younger. It's sort of people at a particular period in, in their careers just, I don't know, it's like, it feels like a legacy in that way, but yeah. like not in a cringe way. Mm. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I just loved it. I just loved it so much. I'm really taken by it. Um, I'm I'm actually quite shocked by how much I loved yeah, it. I because I thought I would either not like it at all mm-hmm. or be like, yeah, that was quite enjoyable. Yeah. But I was really, really impressed and taken with it. It's exactly... The feeling I had after seeing it was very similar to the feeling I had when I saw West Side Story 
in that I was just like, do you know what? He just knows how to make a movie. Just doesn't Absolutely. He? There's does no pretense. Like, There's no bullshit with him. Like, he no. just knows what he's doing. He's a master for a reason. Yeah. You know? And on a small scale or a large scale, yeah. you do just have that sense of awe with his movie yeah. making that is kind of just like... Really, That's the experience you want in the cinema, man. Absolutely. Really, really recommend this one. God well done, Stephen. So we quite coincidentally watch two movies about movies and it turns out that that's something that we haven't really dissected before that's a whole genre in and of itself movies about movie making about filmmaking about the industry about hollywood about making art all of these kinds of things movies that reflect or subvert other movie making there's so there's so much you could kind of go in deep on this so we won't go we won't go hugely deep namely because um I thought I'd have more to say in terms of the number of films that I'd seen. And then I was like, wow, okay, no, I was just thinking about Mulholland Drive. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, do you do you like these kinds of films? If we if we were putting this as a, a Wikipedia sub-genre, a listing of movies about movies, um, is that something you connect with a lot? Are you really into it? So, the thing is... Why are you laughing so much? Because... <laughs> When you said that we were going to do this, I was like, yeah, that sounds great. Because actually, I think there are loads of films that I love on that topic. And then I actually looked oh into it God, and I was like, too. Oh, no, I think I've just convinced myself. So um, so basically, I've just gone, sometimes yes, other times no. <laughs> um, they often feel quite self-serving, don't they? Yes. I.e. an industry making a film about its own industry is very the snake eating its own tail. Yes, it um, is. We've often... And I know we've talked about this independently, whether we've done it on or off mic. It often feels like a direct line to receive awards, acclaim. So Hollywood, as you said, really loves to reward itself. Um, I do think it is becoming increasingly unclear as to why they need to exist. And this was something I thought a lot about when researching this part, mostly because I was like, oh, okay, cool. I don't really know why that's a thing. Um, I will say that I think that the Fableman's in the context of this conversation feels like an anomaly in the sense that it's autobiographical. Mm-hmm. It just happens that Spielberg's life has been so tied into filmmaking and films from a mm. young age. I think about the comment that our dear friend Vix's mum said about going to see the Fablemans and leaving early. Because <laughs> she just um, said it was oh. just so much, there was so much in it about film reel, which is a fair comment. But I think that the Fame Women's in this context, I think is a valid thing because it's just Spielberg's been obsessed with films from a, mm. a young age. So essentially making films about the film world and the film industry is inevitable because of his mm. history. So absolutely fine. So I think from my point of view, yeah, but also no. Yeah, I'm kind of the same. I was... I just I convinced think, myself. Like, yeah, I thought, well, I've spoken so much about films that um, specifically sort of um, subvert tropes or play with audience expectations and our understanding of genre in particular because I am a genre fan and specifically a horror fan. So anything like that, I'm very interested in. Although, again, I think we've passed the peak moment for that, so we need to kind of stop. Um, And as you said, like, if I think more broadly about other types of art form writing like I love reading books about writing about the art life about the process and experience of sort of making art and what that kind of unlocks so 
I think films that sort of speak about again that sort of universal truth rather than a sort of road tinted view of a yeah an industry I guess so turns out films about Hollywood are not actually my thing for someone who could watch like the like red carpets for hours for some reason I just it's not and maybe it's because I it might be because actually there's a huge section of um, cinema history which contains those films with uh, with the exception of Singing in the Rain which I have seen a lot of them I haven't seen so I think it's also just quite a blank area for me um, but I feel no huge drive to go and I mean well, I could have watched some films this week to help this conversation <laughs> and I just didn't it's funny because I think I just had convinced myself that it was something I was like super jazzed so did I, on, and, I and like, also oh, actually, that I knew a lot about it yeah. and I actually that so no. many I have not seen I was like well no I really am not equipped to talk about this which which was just quite funny um in and of itself um what ones what what films do work for you though which ones do you like uh of your well, short list basically i've only got ones i do like because i don't really like i don't really dislike any of them oh i put Be- one because i'm not sure i've seen them so this will be interesting there's uh, one that i dislike singing in the rain obviously the goat like i've put that on i have basically said essentially i feel no other film about hollywood needs to exist because this Babylon is like, doesn't need to exist this is the one you should just watch yeah, in just terms watch of singing like in the rain. if you need to actually watch something about the transition between silent film and and the impact of the talkies just watch and if singing you want to feel rain. good about it watch singing in it's the a rain good vibe um i've obviously mentioned mulholland drive yes um, which i will allow you to monologue on if you wish um mostly because that was the other thing that sprung to mind when i was thinking about films about hollywood uh not a film i've watched multiple times mostly because i find it so deeply unsettling oh yeah it's horrible i there's a couple of coen brothers films in particular that i really enjoy i think hail caesar Mm -hmm. um from 2016 i think is a very fun look at uh kind of the a period setting yeah it's a very industry kind of similar yeah Yeah, I I really really enjoyed that I think Barton Fink as well in 1991 Mm. which is more about it's less about I guess filmmaking but it's more about a screenwriter who moves to Los Angeles to get involved in the film industry um in the 20s I think 30s um that's a really great film I, I love Barton Fink I think it's very very clever obviously Once Upon a Time in Hollywood um which we've talked about at length before I put Boogie Nights. I put Boogie Nights because it's 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 about cinema, technically, right? Yeah. yeah, it's about filmmaking. It's just porn. It's not, you know, your traditional hey. cinema. But I actually, I uh, something I didn't mention when we did the Babylon section was that I got really wound up by so many comparisons. I kept reading of like. Babylon to Boogie Nights. Really? Yeah. Oh, I haven't seen any of those. And I was just like, that's not the case at all. That's just such a reach. That's not a thing, is it? Um, and I also, another thing I've added here is, um, obviously I do like La La Land as well. That's well documented. <laughs> um, I, this is, this is absolutely questionable, but um, Leia's character's Holy Motors. Oh yeah. Um, it's all about movies in a sense. Mm. It's all about performance in cinema, performance in life. There are mm. this filmmaking within it. I think that actually works quite well. It's a film I've really warmed to actually over the years. So those are the ones I'm a fan of. I haven't gotten anything I don't like, but mostly it's because I'm not sure I've watched them. Tell me your list of, of ones that you like, please. But they're very s- similar. I, I put Singing in the Rain and then I put, maybe I just really like cynical stuff. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's fair. It's a fair uh, Mulholland Drive obviously yeah. defies 
explanation. Um, funny that it's it, it's a David Lynch film. David Lynch does have quite the relationship with Hollywood. He lived on Mulholland Drive. So actually, this is something he's touched on a few times. But this sort of, yeah, that film in particular certainly dives into that sort of the mystery and the darkness around Hollywood and the duplicity and the sort of facade and the role-playing yeah. nature, which yeah. I do find interesting. Yeah. Um, when I was a big Tim Burton fan as a teenager, I really liked Edward. Actually, Edward quite a good is, film. Is a, is a, I, yeah, I've forgotten. Unfortunately, Edward. the Johnny Deppness no, of it will mean I probably though, never watch it. Yeah, Great I film. Did, yeah, I liked that. Again, biographical has that kind of offbeat charm, madness, and chaos of um, some of the earlier scenes in Babylon as yeah. well. Yeah. So I think that is genuinely um, quite an enjoyable film about filmmaking and about a director in particular um i put was hail caesar good because i could barely remember it but i'm thinking maybe it was so i just think about in particular there's the the tilda swinton aspect where she plays a writer who's a gossip columnist very much similar to the eleanor st john role in babylon played by gene Mm -hmm. smart and then i think about the chang tatum musical number oh my god yeah, I just think about that for a film that, like, actually, I saw and very much enjoyed, and haven't really rewatched since. I think about that Channing Tatum section in particular. So I think often. a lot about a lot of Channing Tatum scenes. Mm. Um, wonder why. A feral bit of Tarantino again. Once upon a time in Hollywood, which I did like and will stand by, and Inglorious Bastards as well. He oh, he course. has a he's got a he likes to think about filmmaking and cinema quite a lot um and then i was thinking more broadly as you say as you sort of alluded with things like boogie nights like true romance for me is kind of a bit about film because it's got that kind of um very masculine movie nerd fantasy of Mm -hmm. hollywood going Mm -hmm. on films that play with genre like la confidential scream yeah and then uh, a film that I watched recently that I hadn't seen before that I really, really liked was Peeping Tom, which oh, is sure. kind of, yes, yeah, okay. credited as one of the kind of first slasher films. And it sort of sits with Fellini in that school of films about filmmaking. And yep. it's very much about the voyeurism of the camera holder and the audience. Mm-hmm. So I really, really liked that. I thought that was brilliant. And then Super 8, again, I will make a case for Super 8. Good Joy film. of filmmaking, especially as children. Good film. Lovely, goes hand Good in hand movie. with the Fablemans. Um, the film that doesn't work, Mank. Oh my God, Mank. Do you remember how much we hated Mank? Just, do you know what? It's funny ugh, that tedium. I completely blocked that from my Finch, brain. Finch, what were you doing? We hated Mank. Oh God, I hated it so much. Yeah, so just to round it off, really, I mean, it might be a coincidence that t- these two films from this episode were released so closely, but it also does feel like it. we are kind of having another moment in time for films about films. And I'm not sure what... Well, I mean, there could be a few reasons why that might be, but um, we've had Fablemans and Babylon. We also had um, Empire of Light, which I have not seen, which has been panned. But then we've had quite autobiographical and biographical films like Belfast, Mank, but even Ty West's films. So X and Pearl. Pearl in particular has that kind of, you know, she wants to be a star thing going on. I mean, is that, do you think we're in a bit, we are, well, we are in a bit of a a moment for that kind of thing, aren't we? Why might that be? I think so much of it is tied to the conflict between the theatrical experience and streaming models. 
Um, she was bursting to say that, by the way. So because she I think feels it's true. very. Yeah. I think it's true. I think there's this overarching worry that people will stop going to the cinema completely, mm-hmm. particularly post COVID, when the routine of doing it was taken from so many of us. Do you remember when we first were like gagging to get back to the cinema, and we would go so often, and we would be the only people in there mm-hmm. because everyone had just yeah for sure decided not to go. Um, I do think this felt especially the case. When we went to see the Fablement and there was that speech beforehand, there was like a little video clip of Steven Spielberg. Oh my God, introducing it. Introducing the film, talking little about Steve. how it was about his, you know, how it was a really personal project, but basically being like, thanks for going to the movies. Um, and I think the similar things were happening in advance of Top Gun screenings where like Tom Cruise was basically being like, thanks for championing the magic of, you know, like... Basically saying they're really on thanks. a PR trip for this. Yeah, aren't and they? I do, I do genuinely think that it's so much of it at the moment is just tied to trying to capture people's imaginations about like why mm. cinema and going to the cinema is ultimately like a good thing, and I feel really strongly about it solely because that experience is very the idea of like yeah. having to watch everything at home mm. like terrifies me. Like we said that. You know, we were really adamant that we wanted to go and see Babylon at the cinema solely because we were so wishy-washy on it that we knew that I if wasn't going to watch put it, it on at home. home. We would have checked out. I was going to pause to make coffee, yeah. pause to go for a wee. Yeah, I think it's also telling that, particularly regarding Spielberg, he's obviously a man of a certain age, as I've said. So it feels timely. there's an aging element in some of this as well. Isn't I feel there? like so many filmmakers now want to tell their stories while they can as a way to reiterate the importance of the industry proper there's a particular generation that are aging out that are kind of yeah because i do i do think that you know you've got spielberg you've got scorsese you've got these filmmakers of a certain age um and their output has had a significant impact on Mm. the culture at large and i think it's this you know we must recognise that because it is important because without people like Spielberg, without people mm. like Scorsese, you wouldn't... The, I feel like the trajectory of the film industry at large would have been significantly different. Mm. Maybe for better, maybe for worse. Who knows? Um, so I think, I think... I do genuinely think that so much of it is tied into this idea of, like, if people are presented with the option of watching stuff at home, they will. And yeah. therefore cinemas will die and we've seen a lot of that recently you know with cinema chains going bust or having Mm. no money covid obviously did not help things i think actually it's just advanced the decline yeah i think it just sped it up but it was always there wasn't it i think there's a kind of and also i think they but i also think that i don't know i i totally get that but on the flip side as well i also feel like sort of trying to cling on to an industry model and a Hollywood that's kind of running out of steam now in some other respects because I was thinking about, you know, at the same time as having films like She Said and, you know, the Me Too movement and kind of... There are parts of Hollywood in particular that we really do need to leave behind and we're spending so much time looking back. There we kind of we just don't seem to look forward no i think you're right and i think in the case of babylon one of the things we've talked about you know like is there is there a place 
for a film like that about and i don't think there is no i'm unconvinced not I don't, for babylon i don't for think fablemans it, for sure i just don't think for something like babylon which looks back at a specific period of hollywood history it doesn't necessarily feel particularly inclusive of the wider experience of that time i think it completely eclipses like you say elements that are just icky mm. um it seems to focus on the fun and the excess rather than what perhaps was the reality also i think there's a lot in this about like who gets to tell these stories and why it felt really interesting to me that all of the films that i could remember that i've enjoyed and have cited in terms of about movies and movie making are men are all men white men <laughs> and they're not necessarily just men's stories are they i think no. that obviously female directed pieces must exist but they're not leading the way and i think that there's a lot that... no i would struggle to think of some yeah absolutely to be honest. and i think that's the thing i think you're even if i haven't right. watched them. i think that it's it's I think it does come down to like why why and we've reiterated this throughout why do we keep coming back to this particular part when actually there are other elements that could be explored a little bit mm-hmm. more It is quite a particular time yeah, frame that we seem to be quite um, isn't it sentimental about or I, I would don't love know. to move on from it though yeah I just don't think we need another film about the golden age of Hollywood no. cinema even if we are trying to make the case for cinema um I think I don't know, there must be another way to do it. I could just live without it. And I think The Fablemans demonstrated to me that was a strong case for cinema and a strong case for art and for creation. And there will always be a place for that type of filmmaking and those books, things that talk about the process itself, about what can be gained by creating and interacting with art, especially now when we're in such crisis. Absolutely. you know, we talk about that. It's a sh- I mean, it's it's almost unbelievable that um, things like COVID have expediated the sort of yeah decline of things like cinema attendance. When I mean, what what are the things that got all of us through the pandemic? Mm-hmm. It was what we were able to well, watch, yeah, exactly. what we could read, yeah. what we could consume, and the space it gave us to create. Like we literally all turned to art to get through that period because it's the one thing that we still had access to that couldn't be taken from us. Yeah, and. I'm so interested in, in those stories and we've got so many more of those stories to tell, but I really could do without, I think Hollywood as a, a model, as an industry, I mean, it is changing, but like, I just, I think even if you're making a film that is like Babylon, that is set, you know, it's, it says it's attempting, well, not says, but you know, it's sort of on the surface is attempting to criticise or to show the depravity of, you know, that kind of time as you say it sort of celebrates it at the same time it doesn't really it doesn't really say much i think you're right in what you said about actually it needs to be more forward facing or more looking back in a contemporary way rather yeah. than just harping back to something that happened you know like literally hundreds of years ago at this mm. stage and i think that like i would love to see more films about the way that art shapes us and helps us yeah. get through and how we process things via that so kind of recapture prison. that like yeah. ancient yeah i don't know it's just a bit it's boring and a bit icky but and i think there's so much more mileage in that and yeah there must be a way of looking I just feel like we're looking back so much at the moment it's like and i know we, because the world's changed so much we're probably kind of yeah you know wanting to do that in lots of ways hold on to what we had before but i just think there must be a way of looking forward and doing that at the same time uh, more of that and less of the other, please. Yes, absolutely. Good chat. Thanks Good chat. for that. Uh, Love to chat about things I have no idea about. <laughs> I'm so qualified. 
Isn't that just podcasting? What yeah, it totally is. Um, you can find us on Twitter at the Thirst and Instagram at the Thirst Pod, or you can drop us an email on the Thirstpod at gmail.com. Um, why not let us know what you thought of any of the things we covered today? If you thought that Babylon was some sort of masterpiece, and you could let us know. Um, if you enjoyed the Fablemans as much as we did, then please say. Um, you can subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen, and give us a nice review because it does help people to find us with ease. We'll share some links on the blog as well, thefirstpod.wordpress.com, and check out the show notes. Thanks very much. Bye. <laughs>